This looks real awkward. I have, I like to have my moving around space. <sighs> okay, so um, last time I preached, I wore a Spider-Man t-shirt. Uh, that fe- and uh, my sermons featured some talking points, uh, kind of pointing to Spider-Man. And I think there was like a video game, a Spider-Man video game reference in there. Uh, it worked, kind of. Uh, it was adjacent to, to what I was talking about. Obviously, today I am wearing Winnie the Pooh. Sweet as can be. Uh, and so some of you might be like, well, how is he going to tie this in to his sermon? Uh, short, long story short, I was, and then I got really distracted <laughs> throughout the week, and I completely changed gears, and so, uh, but I thought I bought the shirt, I might as well commit to the bit, and give you one fantastic Winnie the Pooh quote that is somewhat related to what I'm going to be talking about today, um, and that quote is this, from our dear friend Winnie the Pooh. Um, a day without a friend is like a pot without a single drop of honey inside. Aw. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Uh, in elementary school, I did not like doing homework. My disdain for homework was so bad that at one point, the teacher got the principal of the school involved, and they threatened to, uh, to let my aunt and uncle know about my transgressions. And no surprise... Uh, threats like that do not work on me. Uh, I did not do my homework that very next day. And so the principal put me in his car and drove me home, which, super sketch and would not fly today. Uh, nobody was home. Uh, I lived to be a distracted and defiant uh, Student another day. However, I did have the last laugh because at the end of my fourth grade year, I took some standardized tests and I tested into the gifted class in fifth grade. So take that, Mrs. Reed. (laughs) If she's watching. Uh, Distracted. In high school, I played football. I wrestled. uh, I was on the track team. I participated in the school chorus. I had a job at McDonald's working 25 plus hours a week. Uh, as a closer, so I was working until like 12, 30, 1 o'clock uh, a lot of times. None of this was because I was an overachiever. Um, I ended up failing junior English, and I had to take it again as a senior, and they put me in like the, the survey class the next year as well. Distracted. Uh, six years ago, I was six years in to working on, uh, to finishing my bachelor's degree in pastoral ministry at Nazarene Bible College. I was working full-time at a local church. I had two small children. Uh, I had a wife, and I can't say, uh, I can't particularly say that I was performing any of those tasks or roles uh, to the best of my ability. Uh, In the midst of some burnout, one of my teachers said something that I did not agree with or that I took offense to. I don't even really remember at this point. Uh, But at that point on in that class, I did the bare minimum and sometimes less than the bare minimum, as kind of like a, I'll show you, which doesn't make sense, because why would he care? Uh, until, uh, it wasn't until Allie saw my grades online, and uh, it creeped on me a little bit, and called me out for that, that I was able to turn it around, and uh, I passed the class. Distracted. 
anybody that knows me well, or you guys who have listened to me for the past couple minutes, uh, maybe can understand the irony of having me preach during a series called Undistracted. Um, a little side note, uh, as I was finalizing this last night at 12.19 a.m., I realized that my sermon is in two different fonts. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, but here we are, five weeks in, and digging into how we can be uh, distracted in our lives and miss out on things that God has for us. Uh, we've heard about being distracted in our faith, uh, we've heard about uh, being distracted in our purpose. Uh, last week, Tyler talked to us about how we can be distracted in being servants. And this week, we're going to be touching on something that everyone in this room can relate to, and I'm sure if we're honest, we can admit that we've been guilty of being distracted in, and that is our friendships or our relationships. Friends are such an important part of our lives for so many reasons. Having friends is a a way for us to be social creatures. It's a way to uh, get out of the house and have fun. It's a way for us to help us reduce stress. Uh, they boost happiness. They provide support and help us build trust in others. Uh, however, my, however, like many of the other areas that we've talked about so far, we can easily become distracted uh, with everything around us and not be the kind of friends uh, that God calls us to be. We can start to close ourselves off and really just focus on ourselves rather than the people uh, in our lives. Uh, we can start to withhold vulnerability that helped us grow these friendships in the first place. Uh, when this happens, these friendships that uh, we have, they suffer, and it becomes really hard to invite people into new friendships. Uh, when we are distracted, we can start comparing ourselves to others. Unfortunately, these days, it's way too easy to fall into that trap of, of comparing ourselves to others. I, I consider myself lucky that I was able to experience a couple years of life uh, and uh, friendship in a world before social media really existed. Um, back before it mattered if somebody was following you on TikTok or how many Instagram followers you had or if you had friends on Facebook. Early in the social media boom, I remember a certain space or a certain, uh, play, a certain website called MySpace where uh, you actually rated, like ranked your friends. You had eight spots, and they were like a coveted eight spots. And if you did not put someone in your top eight, oh, like it, things got heated in high school. Um, comparison is a dangerous game, and it can cause some serious damage to friendships if it's allowed to distract you. Passive aggressiveness is another thing that can distract us. Nobody here knows anything about that, right? Being passive aggressive. For the uninitiated, passive aggressiveness is when we express negative emotions in indirect ways. So rather than just openly expressing what we're feeling uh, about anything, somebody, something, uh, we take a shortcut that often leads us down a darker alley than if we would have just been honest and upfront with somebody about what we're feeling. Maybe you get caught up in seeking instant gratification. Or maybe it's trying to look cool to impress people uh, <clears throat> because we, we value their opinion higher than we should. Or maybe it's uh, sometimes being too uh, task or success-driven that can distract us. I know when Tyler reached out to me and he gave me this uh, these list of distractions, 
that was the one that jumped out to me a lot. Now, I'm not an overly ambitious person. I, I never have in my life. Uh, but when I was called into ministry, uh, something changed in me, and I really wanted to do well. Um, when Allie and I uh, first kind of jumped into the, to the, the ministry pond, we felt like we were being called to be a part of this church plant. And uh, I had played music for a long time. I had sang for a long time. And so I started kind of getting plugged in a little bit here and there, singing, playing guitar, and really learning how to be on stage on a Sunday and how to, how to do this and how to, how to, try, to how, try to do it well. Um, uh, I got plugged in. I started serving. I focused on how, learning how to lead worship, how to sing and play in front of people on Sundays. I listened to all kinds of worship music and really used the, the musical gifts that God had given me to try to figure out what sounded good and what did not sound good. Unfortunately, uh, when I was put into a position of leadership, uh, I let all of the stuff that I'd been focusing on cloud the fact that I was in a worship band with three or four of my best friends uh, that I had known for years through school or through church. I really focused on getting this job done and performing uh, well over uh, being able to just really value the people that God had placed me with. Uh, and ultimately, I was asked to step down from that position before the church ever launched. So b before we even had our launch Sunday, they, I, was, I was removed from that spot, my first position in ministry. Distracted. So we're going to jump into Scripture, and we're going to see how God can help us to understand these distractions and to overcome them. So we're going to be reading from Ephesians 4. This is just verses 22 to, through 24. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on new self create, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Uh, the book of Ephesians is a part of a few books referred to as the prison epistles. Uh, they were written by Paul to specific groups of people or communities of faith of the time uh, while he was imprisoned in Rome. While all of these books are great things to read and glean information from, I think that Ephesians is especially an important one. Uh, books like Galatians, uh, another of the prison epistles, are written addressing specific problems within that specific community. Um, but Ephesians deals with topics that really get to the core of what it means to be a Christian, uh, both in faith and in practice, and how we can come together and believe, uh, come together as a group of believers and unite. And I think Paul has some wonderful advice here. In speaking to this group of believers in Ephesus, uh, he's really trying to get them to come together. He says, put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. And I think a line in his writing here that really jumps out to me is, its deceitful desires. He's not talking about our current deceitful desires. I think he's referring to our old selves. In being made new in Christ, the old is gone and the new has come. And these desires are remnants from the past. Distractions. If, you're made new in, if we are made new in Christ, shouldn't these desires or distractions just kind of fall away or fade away when, when we give our lives to him? I'm sure each of us wish that it was easy for us to just get rid of these some of these distractions that we've talked about. But like we've been uh, working through this series, all of the distractions that keep us from joy uh, and our purpose and even some of our relationships are distractions that are chosen. 
We choose to give ourselves over these distractions. And this is why Paul says, put them off to be made new in attitude in the attitude of your mind and put on a new self. Paul is stressing that we have a choice in this. We have to actively seek to quiet the distractions around us, whatever those distractions may be for you. Are you, an, are you a passive-aggressive person? You have to make a choice to be open and honest about your feelings and not to let negative emotion uh, infect other parts of your life. And there's nothing wrong with negative feelings at all. Um, they're your feelings. You're allowed to feel them. That, that's fine. But when you allow um, yourself to express them in an indirect way, rather than just being honest, it can cause a lot of hurt. Are you constantly comparing yourself to others? Uh, whether that's among your friend group, social media, your school, even at church, Paul says to put, we can put off your old self. We don't have to choose to play the comparison game. And trust me, I, I know that a lot of this is easier said than done. Uh, Bob Goff, who wrote the book Undistracted, uh, what the series is based off of, says, the, best, or the way to beat distraction is to become captivated by something much bigger and much better, such as purpose and joy. Decide in advance that you will do whatever it takes to get your heart right, and then do it, even if it will kill all previous versions of you. Relationships with those around you are one of those bigger things. It's one of those bigger and better things that we can focus on. What would it look like in your life if some of the places, uh, if in some of the places that you go, you prioritized relationships, friendships, building up the ones you have and then building new ones? I tell, I'll tell you, it's an incredible thing can happen. Uh, I mean, I, I, I shared a little bit about my first ministry position. I, I, really, I really messed up there. Um, that's probably one of, my, one of my biggest failures in ministry. I prioritized success and perfection over the relationships with the people that I had around me. And I had a talented group of musicians. Um, we were really set up for success um, in, in that department. And rather than nurture those relationships and spend time investing in them and talking with them, um, I really had my eye on being the, just the best and most perfect worship band that we could be. Uh, I got picky about how songs were played, I, uh, how parts were sung. I didn't have grace when mistakes were made. Uh, I was just kind of an all-business kind of guy, uh, which 14 years later is like not who I am, so I don't know why I was doing that. Um, when I was removed from my role, I really had to take a long, hard look at myself and figure out what was going on. Um, unfortunately, that church plant... Uh, had some issues, and we had to fold back into the church that we were planted from. And when we folded back in, I joined the worship team as just a musician. No, no authority, no nothing. I was just playing guitar. I would lead worship every once in a while if they wanted me to. Uh, but I formed a really close relationship with a guy on the team named Kevin. He was the worship pastor at the time. And I watched him uh, over the next five years really prioritize relationships uh, in his life, in, in the people on the team, uh, prioritize relationships with people in the congregation, with me. Um, I watched him put people over productivity. I watched him deal with difficult situations with grace and empathy and a lot of times humor. Um, I watched him set boundaries with people that needed to have them. 
and I watched him model what it truly means to be a godly friend. And I will be, ever, for, be forever grateful uh, for Kevin for showing me uh, what it looks like to, to really let some of these distractions fall to the side and really see people. And because of this relationship, God was able to do something in me. He was able to help me become more like Jesus and really see people around me in any situation as people that I could be in relationship with. Um, and as we journey through life, uh, distractions come, uh, but we can silence those distractions and really tune into what God has for us. Or when we do that, uh, we have wonderful opportunities to be the kind of friend that Jesus was uh, and that he wants us to be. So in doing research for the sermon, I saw a quote by someone that said, um, one of the biggest miracles in the Bible that's never mentioned is that Jesus was in his late 30s and he still had 12 close friends. <laughs> Being 35, that, that, that rung true for me. Um, Jesus was an amazing friend to his disciples. Uh, so I want to take the last few minutes and just go over some characteristics of what a good uh, Jesus-like friend is, uh, how he modeled that for us, and what that would look like if we uh, did that. So the first one is the most basic one. It's spending time together. For three years of his life, Jesus traveled with 12 guys and spent a lot of quality time with these guys. We read stories in scripture about how Jesus uh, walking from place to place. They traveled from city to city, always together. And I I'm always... Um, Stories in the Bible where we can see the humanity of God uh, always kind of they, uh, ring, does, does something to me, and I, and I like hearing that. I, I like to think about, man, what were the conversations like when, because we don't get a lot of like, what were they, like, what did they talk about on the road? What was, what was just kind of hanging out? N no Sermon on the Mount, no, uh, none of the, the big stories we have from the Bible. What was it like just to, to chill with Jesus? Uh, and his friends got to, got to experience that. They were together for three nonstop years. Being friends with somebody means that you want to spend time with them. Obviously, we all have things in our own lives and our own little spheres of influence <coughs> that, um, that we have to attend to, but making time for those in our lives that we call friends is important. Also, uh, a relationship will never truly form and or continue if you don't prioritize spending time with somebody. Uh, spending time with one another lets the people in our lives know that they are worthy and that you value them. It doesn't have to be in person. Uh, it could be a phone call. It could be a Zoom call. Just carve out some time. Um, when my family and I moved to North Carolina, we moved here to plant a church with my best friend. Uh, ultimately, the, that church plant uh, was kind of, we were really getting some traction right, right before COVID, and then COVID killed it. And so that didn't happen. So they ended up moving back to Illinois, uh, where we were from, uh, to be with their family. And I, didn't, I don't have my best friend around anymore. Uh, but I still talk to my best friend Christian four to five times a week, uh, whether it's playing video games or texting or phone calls. Um, there was even a day uh, last year where we went to the same fast food restaurant in our respective states and then video called each other. We ordered the same meal because it was like a new super spicy sandwich from Arby's. And uh, we ordered the same meal and we video, we FaceTimed each other 
and sat in the parking lot of said Arby's and critiqued the sandwich together, which is super dumb. But I mean, if you want to do that, that's cool. That's you know, spending time with a friend. Uh, it doesn't have to be that, but spending time together is an important part of building and maintaining relationships. Support during trials. Jesus gathered the disciples to prepare them. In their preparation, some of them stumbled. My mind goes to when Jesus invited Peter to walk on the water with them. Peter does, does it at first, and but then he starts to sink because he gets afraid and unsure of kind of everything that's going on. I mean, he's walking on water, why wouldn't he? Uh, <clears throat> but what happens next? I think a lot of our minds will go to, uh, oh, ye of little faith. But the, the, the sentence right before that is, Jesus catched him, or Jesus caught him. Jesus grabbed him by the arm and pulled him back up. He supported him. When I think back to the, some of the hardest times in my life, one of the things that comes to mind in, 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 my, in my life is that I had people to support me. And of course, having family around during tough times is wonderful, and I hope that if you're ever going through something really hard, that you have family to lift you up during that. But however, I think there's really something special about friends showing up for you in a time of need. I lost my mom in January of 2010, and she, she died of, of epilepsy in her sleep. I was 21 years old. We were six months away from my wedding, and it was, it was hard for me. Um, but I can remember, I think back to her funeral, and one of my fond memories is all, the, all, my, all my friends who I might not have even said anything to, but saw, saw that happen in my life, and they made time for me, they made space for me, they showed up. Uh, I bet each one of us can point to a time in our lives where things were hard, and there was a friend there giving us support and encouragement. And I think that, that that's the kind of friend that God wants us to be. And that if, some, if, if you have a friend uh, or, or just somebody that you know who's going through a hard time, being a friend to them is, is showing up and supporting them during the trials. Genuine happiness for successes. Jesus spent so much time with his disciples, pouring into them constantly. In John 14, 12, Jesus says, Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do works that I have been doing. And they will do even greater, uh, greater things than these because I'm going to be with the Father. Jesus knew, knew about the successes that his disciples were going to have, and he told them that. Uh, and us, that we're going to do far greater things. Friends don't just support you when uh, you're having a hard time. Friends are there uh, for you when things are going well. And I, and I know that there have been times in my life where I have missed the mark there as well. Um, I, re I remember uh, one, of, one of the friends that was in that worship team with me that I did a poor job. Man, I was friends with bad friends sometimes. Uh, I, I got a job at a call center shortly before we got married. And uh, I was working there, and he, I told him how awesome it was, and I got him a job there. And we worked there for... Uh, I don't know, probably a year before there was like a promotion to a, like a quality assurance thing that was, I mean, not even very much more pay. I don't even know why I wanted it so much. Uh, 
it was just a promotion. And so I went for it. He went for it. He ended up getting it. And I was not as supportive as I could have been. I was pretty frustrated that I got him this job and I am being looked over. And I, it was just, it was very much me. Like, why didn't I get this? Uh, I mean, it was just, I chose to be bitter and jealous. Uh, we need to be happy for our friends. Um, if things are going well for them, be excited for them. Love on them. Number four, edifying conversations. One of my favorite things about Jesus is that he was never afraid to have a conversation with somebody. Even the people that showed up with ill intent or the people that just wanted to trip him up, he still entered, conver- he still entered into conversations with them. It would have been very easy to let the distractions of his time flood his mind and not give certain people the time of day. But I feel like this is something that was simple that we can do in our lives if we want to be intentional about uh, being good friends and being in relationship with people. Uh, have the conversation. You notice somebody's struggling. Have the conversation. If uh, someone is just looking to shoot the breeze with you, have the conversation. Someone is in need of advice or guidance. Have the conversation. It can be uncomfortable. It will be uncomfortable at some points. People will tell you things you don't want to know. But just having the conversation, it grows and strengthens relationships more than you think it does. (sighs) Number five, gentle correction. And I feel like this is an aspect of friendship that is sometimes uh, overlooked because it can also be really uncomfortable for everybody. It can be uncomfortable to do the correcting and equally as uncomfortable to be corrected. But shying away from it isn't the answer uh, because on the other side of it can be growth for both parties. Uh, Some of you guys might have read a story in Scripture about two disciples uh, arguing over who was going to be the greatest, and Jesus steps in. Uh, This wasn't the only time that Jesus had to correct his friends. Uh, there might be a time when gentle correction is needed in a relationship. Uh, I can recount several uh, times where I had to be the voice of reason, and even in some instances, the voice of morality uh, with a few of my friends, and I hated every second of it. But I genuinely feel that those relationships uh, were better uh, for, for it, for having those hard conversations. Uh, now, does this mean that in our uh, day-to-day lives, we're given permission to go around and start correcting everybody that we see when they do something wrong? No. Uh, but if our goal is to live an undistracted life when it comes to the relationships and friendships uh, that we have and, and are building, sometimes a tough conversation is what's needed. And six, unconditional love. Uh, last, uh, but certainly not least. Jesus' existence is a wonderful testament to God's unconditional love for us. Uh, That God would give his only son to die so that we may know him. God's love for us is unconditional. There's nothing that we can say or do that changes uh, the depth of love that he has for us. And, you know, this is something that I have struggled with to understand. And honestly, sometimes I still do. And it really wasn't until I became a parent uh, that I feel like I even gained a little bit of a closer understanding of what, uh, what, that, what that is or what it, what it kind of feels like. I, I remember, I don't know why I remember this, sleeping on my in-law's couch in their basement on Christmas Eve 
was like 2013, 2014, we used to do sleepovers at their house uh, on Christmas Eve. And uh, I was randomly just contemplating how endless my love was for my kids. It was just like a real self-reflective moment for me. Uh, and the thought popped into my head that as much as I love my kids, God feels that for me plus a number that I can't even fathom. Our love uh, for those around us should mirror this kind of love. Whether it's the DoorDash delivery driver that just dropped off your Taco Bell, or it's the person that you've been friends with since high school or before, they are worthy and deserving of our love. So as I come to the close, I want us to remember that humanity was created to be in relationship. We weren't meant to do it alone, but it seems like the further we, the further we get from creation or the more time that passes, the world around us keeps pushing us further and further apart from one another. But I think that God knows what he's doing because if we pay attention and we really see the people that God places in our path, some of these distractions, they start to fall away. Maybe passive aggressiveness can turn to honesty. Uh, maybe comparing others uh, can turn into celebrating each other's uniqueness. Maybe impressing others can turn into just being content and genuinely happy about who you are. Maybe not being vulnerable uh, can turn into leading or letting some people in. What would it look like instead of asking, what do I need to do today? What would it look like if we asked instead, uh, who do I need to reach out with or connect with? Uh, Who do I need to listen to? What does this person need to hear from me today? Who can I be a friend to?